Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, I am talking with Michael Brandt, the founder of HVMN, a company that makes exogenous ketones for endurance athletes. One important thing to disclose before we start this conversation, HVMN is a sponsor of this show. I receive money and product from them in exchange for advertising reads and links in the show notes of these episodes, so that's important for you, the listener, to know. That said, I am also a super fan of their products, as I am for all the products that I've ever endorsed on this show. I've been taking exogenous ketones daily and during runs for the last three months, for example, but regardless, it is important that I maintain the integrity of the show and always provide context for critical relationships in certain episodes, and this is one of those times. Moving forward, Michael and I talk about what exogenous ketones are, their benefits for endurance athletes, how they can be used in an ultra running setting, what the future looks like for their products and more. One last thing before we get started to bring it back to that financial relationship. If you're curious about exogenous ketones and want to give them a try in your daily life or in training, use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout on HVMN's website for 20% off your next order. With that, Let's get started. Michael Brandt, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Finn, great to be here. Looking forward to a great conversation today. This is a little bit out of uh, the topic flywheel of Single Track. Typically, we're focused on the pro trail and ultra running scene, the stories of the athletes and stuff like that. But there are various times uh, in the year where I like to talk about things that I think could be big in our sport. And one of those is exogenous ketones. We're going to be getting into the science of it, the history of it, the future of it. And uh, I think I want to set the table though, first by asking what is your background in running? Because I was watching this YouTube clip where you're interviewed by Lance Armstrong on, I think it's called the move podcast. And you talk about doing yeah. the burning man 50 K. So you're one of us is what I gather. Yes. What, one of you is rolling around in the dust at the Burning Man Ultra Marathon, one of the funnest races I've ever done. My running background, I, I've always been a runner. My mom always tells stories about, I had a lot of energy as a kid and she would just take me to the track and let me run loose. She would just crack a beer and walk the track and watch me just go crazy. It was always a happy place for me. I got in other sports, I was varsity soccer in college or in high school. Um, continued playing soccer, ultimate frisbee, a bunch of you know endurance oriented team sport sports, and then after college, got into running in a big way, and I got hooked after I did my first half marathon. And for me, really, really honed in on the marathon. I think it's a, a nice distance. Uh, it feels fun to really cruise for that length of time. But like any runner, I I like to dabble around. I've had a lot of fun doing ultra marathons. I've done a uh, formidable race out in like Sacramento area. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the tail end of where Western States ends up in like Auburn area. That was a fun 50 K did the burning man ultra marathon came in sixth. That was fun. Cause in burning man is fun. Cause you got to get there and it's like, it's not easy to schlep your way out into the middle of the desert. And then, uh, right. So it's an interesting competitive set at the burning man ultra marathon. Um, I'm a two forty two marathoner on the, on the tarmac. And I, I set that at California invitational marathon, which if people road, any road runners out there know that's like a, a really nice course. A lot of people line that up to, um, for, to make, make, 
uh, an Olympic trials qualifying time or Boston qualifying time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would say like, if I had to pick one, you know, I love the marathon, but you know, I've also done some triathlons, some 70.3 Ironmans, some ultras, you know, dabble in and around the sport and, uh, you know, try to run every day. My, my local run these days live here in LA. I run in Griffith park, get some really nice climbing in every single day. And it's, you know, loving it. I got to ask you one more question about the burning man scene other than the obvious, you know, exotic location. And I'm guessing, you know, the fans around the course must be interesting as well. Is there anything else interesting about that race or is it in terms of format, like any other 50 K out there? There's a few interesting things about the burning man ultra marathon. One is it's bring your own aid station. Everyone's expected to bring a gallon of water and some snacks. And then those are all, brought together by the camp that puts it on is a camp called pink lightning. They take everyone's gallon of water and everyone's snacks and they very nicely, like they orchestrate this race. So they go and set up the aid stations around the playa using what everyone has brought in. So it's, it's very communal. It's very, if everyone's been to burning man, it's very much in that spirit of community of burning man where you're not expecting pink lightning or the person next to you to be your aid station you you all contributed and then they dole it out you know as as people want to pick it up at the different aid stations around the playa that's a cool part i think the other cool part is if anyone if anyone's been to burning manor and just knows about it it's a giant art festival there's giant flaming octopus over here there's you know world there's djs going all hours of the day over here giant things being built giant things being lit on fire all this stuff going on. And what's really interesting, because I, I went to Burning Man for a couple of years before I did the ultra marathon. And then I went and did the ultra marathon. And it's interesting how the ultra marathon itself becomes an art installation. Cause you're it starts at four in the morning. You know, the ply gets very hot when as the sun comes up. So the idea is to get it mainly wrapped before the, the sun hits anywhere close to high noon. And so you're running around on your four, five, six AM and you know. Burning Man never shuts off. There's su- there's people are awake and it's interesting the reactions that you get from people because you're literally an art project to them. They're like walking around. They've been out all night partying and they're like, who is this person running around with a hydration vest hitting, you know, you're moving, you're doing like six, seven minute miles. Like, okay, who, like, <laughs> like, who are you? Like, you're like, there's a flaming octopus over here. There's this ultra marathoner right here. Like you, like you become an art installation. I didn't, I don't think I appreciate that. Like whereas other races are more, I don't know, you do the San Jose half marathon. It's, it's great. Great time out. I love it. There's something interesting about the vibe at burning man where you become, you become the art and it's, it adds another dimension to the race. Like you see other people getting their mind expanded by the fact that you exist and are up at four 30 in the morning running laps around this, this giant encampment. I think that was an excellent recruitment pitch for the Burning Man Ultra. And there's a lot of things that are funky about our sport. And, you know, another event that comes to mind where people dress up and kind of get wild is the Javelina 100, which is uh, in McDowell State Park outside of Phoenix, Arizona. But you're painting a pretty rad picture about this event. Very cool. So we'll link to that in the show notes. One other thing we should cover uh, before we really get into the conversation about ketones is the fact that you are the founder of this company called HVMN. And I'm sure you could talk for an entire podcast about the company itself, but what is the elevator pitch for uh, what it is and, and why you started it? 
appreciate that question. Yeah, it's it's what I've been working on for a number of years here, and we have this amazing team around us here at HVMN. And what our flagship product is is it's called Ketone IQ. And what we figured out is the most efficient way to make a ketone. Ketone is a form of fuel, so carbohydrates are a form of fuel. Mortin, goo, all that. Well, you know, it's it's fuel in the form of carbohydrates. Ketones are another form of fuel that go through a different pathway. You can think about your, your body as having a carb system and then a fat system. And when you're burning fat, you turn it into ketones. So you have, you're in a sense, you're like a Prius where you have gas and you have electricity and anyone who's really metabolically flexible, anyone in the community who's running races, you're doing both. There's no way to fuel on just carbohydrates alone. If you're at any level of endurance, fitness, your body is able to make and use ketones. You have enzymes present to make and use ketones is on top of, or, you know, some, we can talk more about this. Some people in ultra distance community, like just don't even touch the carb system. And they actually, for a number of reasons, just do like the fat ketone type of fueling. So we figured out, we, Mm. we got a, in 2019, we got a $6 million contract with the department of defense, special operations command, looking at exogenous ketones, Special operator community is super interested in endurance. They have a lot of contacts of you know, driving stamina in hypoxia, doing target practice at the end of a ruck, at the end of a hypoxic session. So there's a lot of applicator use case that we learned from that that we then extended out into endurance sports, pro sports in general. And I always say, you know, everyone's doing metabolism all the time. Even I'm at my desk doing a podcast right now, like having a better form of fuel that is not spiking my blood sugar levels. That feels really nice. Just, you feel a nice lift from it. Uh, being able to bring that out into the world and make it accessible to everyone. The, the dream is that ketones are as ubiquitous as anything. Protein powder, carbs, electrolytes, that with ketones, we've created a new nutritional primitive. And you know, we've just launched into Earth Bar at Equinox. We're launching into Sprouts very soon. So that like, If you can go to the store and buy... CBD or omega-3 or collagen. Why can't you go to the store and buy a ketone? And that's our mission. That's what we're working on here. You mentioned that the Department of Defense and I guess our government in general has been really interested in this fuel source. What is the the backstory for how this sort of came to be and um, how the research community became interested in it, the science community, and how it's slowly sort of coming to market for consumers like myself? Yeah. The DOD is interested in a variety of, of factors to make American soldiers more effective in the field. Equipment, human factors, different different factors. And the shift is really focused to treating our troops like athletes and actually using the word athletes that your conditioning, your nutrition, that stuff is super important. At the end of the day, it, it's, it's people, like special operators are people. And you can put a price tag on what does it take to train a Navy SEAL? What does it take to train a Green Beret? What does it take to train the like, absolute tip of the spear? And I mean, it's a seven figure price tag. We're talking, it's a lot. It's, it's years and years, aggressive selection process, aggressive training protocol. And if you can protect that person or increase the, the area under the curve of how much impact that person is able to make in their career, if they're able to recover faster, they're able to go on longer missions or be able to be more effective on those missions that there's been a, a real shift in focus recently towards looking at those types of development. So it's not just, um, 
know, guns and ammo development. It's, hey, like, like how do we make the, the human factor more effect, effective and efficient? This all got started in the early 2000s. DARPA had a program called Operation Metabolic Dominance, where they proved out this proof great of concept name. that, yeah, it's a great name. Um, that's what the, we're going to call the Netflix special when, you know, when it's all, when all is said and done here. Um, where they, they established a proof of concept that, Hey, you can make, you could make an exogenous ketone again, like the human body has always been able to make ketones for 300,000 years. That's not news to anyone. You can make ketones, you can use ketones. What was interesting in the early two thousands with operation metabolic dominance was the ability to create a a ketone exogenously outside of the body that, that could be eaten, digested, turn it just directly turns into blood ketones. It was super expensive. It was $20,000. It was $20,000, $30,000 a dose. And they kind of left it on the shelf and it was collecting dust. Like DARPA had, had proven out this concept. Then in 2016, 2017, my co-founder and I, who we're both computer science guys, we met in undergrad at Stanford studying computer science, and we both got into biohacking. Like We were wearing continuous glucose monitors. I was getting into marathoning, <laughs> measuring my my cadence, my footsteps, my, you know, I'm a big proponent of Maffetone method, just being a big nerd about all of my numbers, which I'm sure a lot of people in the community can relate to. And what kept coming up was this idea of ketones. Hey, when you, when you run 15 miles and afterwards you, you check out your, you do a quick blood reading, you can see, Hey, you're diminished. You've lost a lot of blood glucose. Your body has started making ketones. Your ketone levels are up. At the same time, circa 2016, 2017, a lot of people were getting into intermittent fasting. I did a seven-day-long fast at one point. It was my, was not marathon training at the time. This, I had put that on a pause at a seven-day-long fast. My ketones got very high. Whenever you're low on blood glucose, your body makes ketones. And the word ketone kept coming up because whether you're doing endurance sports or you're fasting or you're doing, you know, a lot of people like bulletproof coffee. You take coffee and you put fat into your coffee. And the idea is that your body turns that fat into ketones. So this word ketone kept coming up, kept coming up. And my co-founder, and I asked that dumb slash smart question of if ketones are so cool, why can't you go to the store and buy a ketone? And that's when we started looking through the literature around what DARPA had done, Operation Metabolic Dominance. And we said, Hey, mm-hmm. let's let's do this for real. Let's make it, let's get a, we have a customer, the department of defense generally is interested. Let's figure out a supply chain around it. Let's make this at scale. And in 2017, we launched the world's first ketone drink. It was a ketone ester drink. And we, in 2019, got a $6 million contract with the department of defense, special operations command, and it was multiple different subtasks out of there. We've continued innovating, on the component molecule itself have made a lot of improvements in cost, taste, GI, like ability to, to like early, earlier different technologies were harder for, for some people to stomach. We've now completely eliminated those issues. So it's been a, a fun R&D process. And now we're at a spot where it's ready for the ready for the world. We launched our consumer technology, Ketone IQ, in, in January of last year. I would guess that of the five or 6,000 people listening to this episode, 75% have never heard of exogenous ketones or ketones before. And I was listening to maybe, it was a podcast that you were on recently. And alongside proteins, fats, and carbs, 
you declared ketones the fourth macronutrient. And I think that uh, to set the table for the rest of the conversation, um, maybe even though you've touched on it a little bit there, we should define what ketones are. Great. Yeah. I love the simple question. It's always good to start there. It's like the the mark of a good chef is, can they cook an omelet? Like what? What's... <laughs> Fundamentals. Yeah. What the hell is a ketone? Okay. The reason it's a macronutrient, when we think about the macronutrients, fats, proteins, carbohydrates, they all contain calories as opposed to micronutrients, which are you know, your vitamin B, vitamin D. Those are acaloric. They do not contain calories. They do other things to support different functions, aspects of your metabolism, your body. But when you think about what has a calorie inside of it. Those are the macronutrients. Ketones are interesting. The reason I consider them and many, you know, the reason we consider them a fourth macronutrient is because they have ketones inside of them. A gram of ketones has seven calories and that caloric content provides your cells with energy. So it's, it's not a micronutrient supporting player. It is literally turning into, if people remember their high school bio class, you have the Krebs cycle. You have inputs into your mitochondria. Mitochondria is the power plant of the cell. You have inputs into your mitochondria. There's something that's called the Krebs cycle that goes on that turns these macronutrients into ATP, which is really the cellular currency. That's what you need to, to, that's what you need to flex a muscle or that's what you need to you know, create a thought in your neurons is that you need energy to do that. Ketones contain energy and they have these novel characteristics where in order to turn, say, sugar into that ATP cellular energy, it requires a certain amount of oxygen. Ketones can create the same amount of ATP, but with less oxygen. So that's where it starts getting interesting when you're talking about hypoxia or late in a marathon or ultra marathon when your your body is strained and stressed to its limits that the ability to create cellular energy with less oxygen starts being really efficient and advantageous so macronutrient what is a ketone ketone is a macronutrient with some interesting properties to it i think there are probably more people listening to this show that are familiar with the ketogenic diet and training and eating in a specific way to mobilize fat versus taking what your product offers ketones exogenously. Can you talk about the differences there? And I guess what I'm most curious about is, are the outcomes the same? Like if I'm training and eating in a way to access ketones versus just, uh, hacking my way to this drinkable solution, are the outcomes the same? That's a great question. And they're related, but they're different. They're not the same. You're not going to get, there's certain okay. targeted advantages that you get from, I think we're all familiar with the you know, long run zone two fasted state where what your body is doing, especially yes. when you're in zone, why do we love zone two? Why does everyone talk about zone two, Maffetone method is that when you're going at that relative low intensity, your body because of the low intensity, you're, because you're not running a 400 all out, you're running zone two for a couple of hours. Your, your level intensity is low and the duration of your effort is long such that you don't need sugar as much in balance with fat and ketone system. When you're going to run a 400 around okay. a track, or you just sprint all out, you, your body doesn't have time to use fat 
system. There's just not enough time to turn that fat into usable energy. You're going to, you want to be, you want blood glucose to run your 400. When you're talking about, you know, once you start going beyond an hour, longer efforts, your glucose system is not going to be able to support you. You cannot store enough onboard glucose. You cannot eat enough goo packets and Morton. You cannot eat enough of that stuff to fuel yourself. Your body needs to tap into your fat stores. What, what then becomes interesting when you're training, right? You, why do you do those, you know, fasted long runs or just long runs in general is you get your body good at making and using ketones. You get your body good at and this is why people like fasting, by the way, on topic, because it basically accentuates the training effect of that session. When you're fasted, again, I wouldn't do fasting before a sprint session. I think sprint session, you want to go all out. You want max muscle explosiveness. You want to get strong muscles as a point of a, of a track workout. However, if you're doing a long run and if you're not doing it at race pace, again, it's like that zone two. What you, what the goal of that session is to increase your body's ability to make and use ketones. Okay. So that's, that's basically you know, fasting, low carb, getting your body metabolically flexible. Where does exogenous ketone? So a ketone drink, ketone IQ, where does that come into play? Is yeah. that once your body is really good at making, using ketones, what that means is that your body has built up the enzymes that are helpful at creating ketones from fat and are helpful at turning ketones into cellular energy. And when you are fit like that, your body's really good at processing ketones exogenously or endogenously, like whether it's coming from your fat or whether it's coming from an outside source, your body just bec has become really good at using ketones. And the way you, it's, it's, a, it's an algebra equation where in order to run at a certain speed, you need to be, you need to be generating a certain amount of energy and the energy can come from stored glucose is glycogen. It can come from glucose that you're eating along the way. It can come from fat stores that your body is turning into ketones, turning into energy, or it can come from an exogenous ketone source, ketone IQ. And what you want to do is have the full bouquet. You want to have all of the above. You want, you want your body to be metabolically flexible so you can tap into the fat. You want to have, uh, you know, your carb shots, your honey stinger, what have you. You want to be able to drink a ketone. Another Another way to think about what ketone IQ does is if you look at the back of your, your favorite carb shot, whether I, I, we, I don't have a favorite, uh, we're <laughs> generally friends with everyone in this space. If you look at the back of goo, you will see that there are several different types of carbohydrates. They'll have maltodextrose and glucose and blank, blank, blank. The, the reason they have several different ones is that those parallelize that by not just having straight glucose by having a few different types of carbohydrates, they're able to parallelize and get metabolized, uh, in, in parallel with one another, instead of all jamming the same turnpike on the expressway, so to speak, ketones are just this whole other lane on the expressway. They, they, they go through this other pathway. That pathway exists because your body makes ketones from fat and, and uses ketones for cellular energy. And when you're able to drink a ketone, you're able to just go through that other lane. So it's like a, it's like dramatically more parallelized. You're going through a, a drastically different 
expressway lane into cellular metabolism than the distance between you know maltodextrose versus glucose. Yeah, they're they're a little bit different, but they're pretty they're they're still sugar. Ketones are this whole other lane that's just wide open, and if you're able to drink ketones, you're able to go back to. I guess mixing a little bit of metaphors here is you're, you're able to be like a, that Prius where you have the, you know, the gas able abilities to supply energy as well as you have the battery able to supply you energy. You said something interesting there about being friends with all the carb products out there. And I think I want to ask you this question around whether your product interferes with carb intake because, and I've joked about this on Twitter before, but you know, there are people out there on running Twitter who, you know, if you, eat anything but carbs, you're dead to me. And there are other people that if you eat anything but fat, you're dead to me or protein. So it's almost like the Democrats and the Republicans of nutritional Twitter. And uh, I'm curious, like, does exogenous ketones solve a lot of problems here by allowing runners to eat whatever they want in tandem with this product? It's funny that there's this holy war around nutrition that, that doesn't need to be so. Look, what you want is metabolic flexibility. What you want to do, the perfect way to train for a race, I, what we see from our elite athlete partners is you develop metabolic flexibility. You develop the ability for your body to be able to run without carbs. I don't care how fit you are at the end of your 50 miler, your glycogen stores are repleted. And I don't care how many honey stingers you've tried to eat. Like you're, you cannot eat fast enough, right? Your GI system cannot process enough to be able to supply you with your energy demand for a 50 mile race. So you, even if you carb loaded and tapered for the whole week prior, you're going to have run out of glycogen glucose. Your body is going to be having to operate in a low blood sugar context, meaning it needs to be able to tap into its fat and ketone system. So it's advantageous as a runner to develop that. I think if, if we're talking endurance, it's really helpful to do some workouts in a fasted state. Again, like not your high intensity ones, but your lower intensity ones to train that in your body. Some people, you know, I had dinner with Zach Bitter the other night in Austin. He's super keto, right? He's super, he, his stance, like what you say, kind of, uh, there's different tribes out there in, in nutritional approaches. His stance is that look, that fat system, hyper-efficient, like fats into ketones, super efficient. You get less inflammation when you're using fats and ketones. It's more efficient where you're using less oxygen to turn that into usable energy. So he doesn't want to touch carbs. You know, standard people, I would say like standard school of thought has been, you know, carb load before the race, but even, you know, a lot of the old school coaches, they still push the, um, and doing, doing fasted runs and developing that flexibility. So there's no way around it. You're going to, at some point be using both fuel systems. I don't see it as an either, or I don't, it really doesn't need to be, um, what ketone IQ allows you to do is it, it gives you a bioavailable fuel source that goes through this ketone pathway that is generally untapped except for your, the extent that your body is making its own ketones from fat. So for, you know, it's strictly just additive on top. Let's see, we call it like dual fueling. If you're able to have more ketones, you're just able to get more metabolites through the expressway into your cells than if you were having carbohydrates alone. And if I'm at mile 12 of a 20 mile long run out on some trail here in the Wasatch mountains, I can 
take down a bottle of ketone IQ and as well as a Morton gel or a spring energy gel. And that makes sense from a nutritional fueling standpoint. Yeah. That's what we recommend for endurance athletes. You say every two or three times that you have a carb gel, have a shot of ketone IQ. So there's this general ratio where you want to dual fuel. They're two separate energy systems. They, they don't compete with one another. They, they stack. It's like saying, should I have, I like that you mentioned that. Yeah. Like, like, should, should I have caffeine or should I have a goo shot? It's like, well, those are two separate things. And you know, a lot of people would would consider stacking them up. Caffeine is a whole other, whole other thing where, you know, I don't, caffeine is a caloric ca- caffeine. I, we don't consider a macronutrient. It doesn't have calories, but, but it is a stimulant. It does get your, your system, you know, excited and, and ready to go. So it's the point is it's like, oh, should I have electrolytes or should I have water or should I have, um, carbohydrates? Should I have water or should I have a goo shot? It's like, well, you, you need hydration and you need fuel. Like, and, and within fuel, it's like, sh- you should have, you, you should have both because you're able to put them through separate pathways and have a, have a great time out there. So one last question on this front, I would imagine that when you are accessing ketones, either through diet or exercise, it's a slower process, but with this ketone IQ format, this drinkable format, there's a much more rapid, quick elevation in ketones. Can you talk about the significance of the difference there, or if there's anything that matters in that scenario? Yeah, I'll, I'll use an analogy, which I hope is helpful. I, I know it's helpful. Some people that are maybe more technical is like you have in your computer, you have Ram and you have your hard drive where like Ram is where things happen very quickly. That's where the currently o- loaded applications are like in Ram. So you can click and, and switch applications and you have your whole hard drive, which is this way bigger form of storage, but it's a little slower. Like what you have to open up a new app, then your Ram has to like, you, you have to reach into your hard drive, find the file, watch the little spinner, load it, pull it out of there. But your hard drive is so much bigger. It's a like hundred times bigger. So we're seeing the same thing with glucose versus fat, where even on a, even if you're a skinny person, you have a hundred times more fat stored on deck, a hundred times more calories stored as fat on deck than you do stored as glucose or stored glucose is called glycogen. So you have so much more of it. That's the plus. That's why humans, you know, you don't have to eat. You you can go several days, several weeks without eating. Why humans were always able to endurance hunt. Humans can go further over a 24 hour period than any, any other animal on the planet. Anyone, everyone who's read born to run, which I'm assuming is probably everyone listening (laughs) uh, knows this, like (laughs) humans are, are able to endurance hunt because we are able to utilize this, this massive store of energy. Fat can turn into ketones that supply our brain and our body with fuel. And we're able to, we're able to tap into our glucose stores very quickly. That's very snappy, lets you sprint around the track. That's very snappy, sparky energy, but you cannot store a lot of it. Ketones, you have a lot more of them, but they're a lot slower to mobilize. And that's where things get really interesting, where your your fat, it's it's slower. And that's why you kind of bonk. Like you bonk, I don't know, you could say, hey, I got a little belly fat. Why am I bonking? Well, because loading up that belly fat into usable energy takes time. And so you can still walk, right? You bonk usually, like unless you kill over dead, you can usually still walk. Like you can usually do like a zone one or a zone, you can zone two shuffle. Like you can usually still move even though you, you know, bonking is typically when you run out of 
blood glucose and your body is not able to quickly enough draw the energy from fat into ketones to be able to use to continue fueling your race. Where ketone IQ comes into play, it's an immediately bioavailable ketone source that goes through that fat ketone pathway. So that's the lay of the land. Does that all make sense? It does. And, you know, I have a couple follow-up questions, but I, I'm sure there are some people that are itching to hear the benefits of this product. So we'll come back to them later in the conversation. So let's talk about the benefits here. And when I go to your website, there's a couple that are listed. I'd love to touch on all of them. Sustained energy, mental clarity, weight management, metabolic health, endurance and recovery, and longevity. So where do you want to start with the benefits? Yeah, I think helpful to start just given the, the crowd here is an endurance audience. Ketones are super interesting because they're, they're a macronutrient. They're so like far up the, the pyramid that anyone can use them for a, a lot of different areas. We're all doing metabolism all the time. It's like when you think about, when you think about protein, the initial people using protein were like bodybuilders, but you know, anyone like, I don't know if you're, if someone in your family or you yourself are 65 years old and you're dealing, you know, your muscle mass decreases as you age, you don't need to be a pro bodybuilder to be getting benefit out of having protein in your diet. So protein is another, you know, nutritional primitive. We all have muscles. That's what we're all made of. Like it's helpful for everyone to have protein. Ketones, same way. Like there, there's a lot of, we have a lot of folks in our community who use it for strictly brain issues, being, being more focused at work, people who are facing cognitive decline, able to rescue brain activity by drinking ketone IQ. There's a whole basket of general areas that people can use ketone IQ for. What's really interesting, I think for this crowd is that we're endurance athletes and metabolism is front and center to what we're able to do. It can be the deciding factor and ketones provide some really interesting benefits in that endurance context. There's a couple in particular, there's thing to really break it down. There's you know, race day performance, and then there's recovery and you know, race day slash just long run in general, whenever you're really trying to like, go, go get it, that ketones help you to spare your glycogen. So when you're drinking, when, mm. if you have ketones in your system and you're all, and you also have glycogen stores, you carb loaded the day before you're, you will burn down that stored glycogen more slowly when you have ketones in your system. When you drink an exogenous ketone, when you've had ketone IQ, your body will spare that glycogen. So you'll have more of that for longer. So that's, that's super cool. You're able to perform better for longer, you know, it, weirdly mile 12 of your 20 mile run. You'll just weirdly feel like you have more in the tank than like you should. The other area that is really interesting is for recovery. There's a really interesting study done with this group of cyclists in Belgium is this three, three week long study. So in this context, they were having people drink ketones every day. And there, there were two groups. There was a group that didn't have ketones. There was a group that did have ketones. If anyone's tried ketone IQ, by the way, um, it is, it, it tastes like it works. It has like a taste to it. So in this study, the, the group that didn't have ketones, they were still drinking up placebo that tasted crazy. Um, and then there was an experimental group that was drinking a form of exogenous ketones and 
they were aside from that able to eat ad libitum as much as they wanted. And they were exercising three times a day for, th for three weeks, two, three times a day for three weeks. And what they saw by the end of that study was that the ketone group was significantly stronger on the final time trial. This is, this is done on cyclists on the final time trial, at the end of that three weeks, they were seeing 15% higher power output in the final time trial. And again, this is double blind, placebo controlled. People didn't know yeah. that if they were drinking ketones or drinking the water that was made to taste like ketones. All that they saw in the research was that the ketone group was had been able to essentially just recover faster. And so there's a couple different hypotheses that follow from there on you know, why is it that having ketones habitually over many weeks helps your body to recover more quickly. There's a couple of things going on there where they help to if you, if you go on a long run later in the day, if you drink ketones, your body is able to accelerate at least a couple of factors where you can increase muscle protein resynthesis. When your hmm. blood ketone levels are high, your body rebuilds its muscles more quickly That's a, and B muscle glycogen reuptake. So when you have elevated levels of ketones, your body puts glucose away into your muscles and liver, like where glucose is stored, it puts it away more quickly. So there's a couple different reasons that are, that contribute to why ketones can help for recovery, not just you know, game day performance, there's two different prongs to it. And again, super interesting topic, just because ketones are a macronutrient, they're a nutritional primitive, they're very high up the stack, so they can help a lot of different processes that go on in your body. Like, you know, recovery takes energy. Running takes energy. Recovery takes energy to, to, to do these processes. You need, you know, the creation of energy is metabolism. Ketones are a fuel for your metabolism. So it's, it's pretty interesting where like, you know, something like caffeine is can help you to perform. Caffeine is generally not considered a recovery aid because that's more, I would say, lower down the pyramid. It's more targeted. It helps you with this one thing in particular versus ketones further up the pyramid and able to support more of a breadth of different processes that your body makes. One, one analogy on that, that helped me wrap my sure. mind around it was that like, think about water. If you have, if you're dehydrated and it's 9am, you're going to be low energy. You should, you, you drink water, you're going to feel better. If it's 9pm and you're dehydrated, you're gonna have a hard time going to sleep. You drink water. You're not going to be tossing and turning. You're going to be able to go to sleep better. How can this magic solution help me both be energetic during the day and go to sleep at night? Well, it's, it's because sleep and daytime activities both require energy metabolism processes that water helps to aid. And you can think of ketones as being similarly up there as a, a primitive building block into what your body needs to do. You mentioned that Belgian study, which is really interesting because I've heard this statistic around ketones that 60% of the Tour de France Peloton is, is supplementing with this. And I have to imagine, um, you know, because that tour is so demanding because it's what 21 days long, it can't be about burning the match in a particular stage. Your body needs to bounce back progressively day over day, week over week. And is that part of the value proposition of this product? Exactly. For 
I, I, it's funny, the running community, like half of runners love cycling and bike all the time. Half of runners think cycling is the stupidest sport in the world. It's very other is in terms of like holy wars out there. Uh, but for those who don't know, or just a refresher, the way the tour de France works is it's the stopwatch starts on day one and it doesn't end until the end where like every day you start at the start line, you finish on the finish line, that's your time. And then the next day's time gets added on day two gets added on to day one, day three gets added on day four. And so you could win by five minutes on day one and you're an idiot because you're going to be completely burned for the day two, three, four. It doesn't matter who's out ahead on day one. It's a, it's a ongoing sum of your time across all of the stages. And therefore it becomes really important to be able to not just burn a match and win this one stage. It becomes important to, you know, it's the person who has the fastest speed overall over all 21 days of the course and so, yeah, exactly to what you're saying, Finn, it, you need to be able to get up and go, do it again the next day. Uh, yeah, you, you got to be able to get up and do it again the next day. And that that forces the conversation, a lot of novel nutrition and training and strategies in general for how you approach you know, team dynamics, a, a lot of different interesting approaches to how you approach that kind of race. And it's funny, you mentioned the 15% number from that Belgian study. I think I heard Lance Armstrong say that you give me 15% the Tour de France, I drink gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, it's a, <laughs> it's an interesting, it's, you know, I, you see these sports evolve, right? You see, you know, there's a lot of debate over the, you know, Nike 4% shoes, the alpha flies, like uh, carbon plates in cycling. There's a lot of debate over, you know, aero bars. They just, they make you go faster. There's, developments that happen in sports i you know i would say that 30 years ago there wasn't even power bar like power bar and just like basic you know for the first goo shots i think those came around in like the 80s early 90s gatorade you know gatorade launched with the florida gators 1970s before that people were not savvy to the idea that when you sweat there's salt in there and people are drinking water. So there are these breakthroughs that come through that move the sport forward. They make you smarter at what you're doing is, you know, is it a problem to have a power meter that's telling you you're, that is, is it, pro, is it a problem to have a power meter that is telling you your wattage as a cyclist or runner? Is, does that somehow decay the sport or does that take the sport to yeah. the next level in an interesting way? I think you know where I stand on it. Like, I, I think it's all interesting. I think it's, you know, I, I am pro advancement and evolution of the sport. One is done in a way, like, I think what you don't want to have is where people have to make ethical compromises of like, oh, well, if I take this crazy steroid that shortens my lifespan, that like, I need to do that because the guy over next to me is taking that. And then we're all like taking this super dangerous steroid and killing ourselves. But like, there's no way to win this race. If I don't do that, that's where things get weird. It's like, if, you know, if carbon plates or aero bars or any of that stuff, if that stuff like killed you or somehow like bad for the individual, bad for society, that's bad. But when it's just like, Hey, we've, you know, there's a new form of fabric that's lighter weight, like, cool. I would like to wear that. Like, I, I think there's things that are net positive for the sport. Any other benefits of ketones that we should discuss that haven't been addressed yet? I would say the, the main other one that we haven't super talked about is the brain. You know, the human brain is 5% of our body weight and uses 25% of our energy. And 
ketone, ketones are really good at getting through to your neurons. Ketones cross the blood brain barrier. A lot of the reason that we've even evolved the ability to make and use ketones is because humans have this large brain. We have the largest brain relative to our body mass of any species. And a big part of how we are able to carry this brain around on the savannah 200,000 years ago, where there's not necessarily, you know, Reese's peanut butter cups and aid stations is the body's ability to make and use ketones. So it's really interesting when you, when you drink a ketone for the first time and you feel that mental lift. And I personally, in a lot of ways, I've just started like, I think that, I think the results around, you know, physiology and how your your quads and your glutes are, have different fuel sources to spring off the ground. I think that all that stuff's super interesting and, and valid, but I think what's most interesting is actually the, the brain side. I think just having more, being more switched on, having more of that like central governor, more of that willpower. Like we all know that like when you're feeling a little bit down mentally, that can really be the deciding factor. Like you always have, if, if you, it's like, if you can pull the lawnmower chain a little bit more, if you can, if you can kind of will your power, you can always willpower yourself to shaving 10 seconds off the split or it, it, when you're tired, right? You can always you know, will it to happen and ha and that willpower, where does that live, right? It lives in the brain and having the ability to be mentally focused for longer, you know, aside from any kind of musculoskeleton benefits, I think is, is super interesting. And yeah, ketones in the brain is a really interesting topic that a lot of we're looking at a lot of folks are looking at outside of endurance sports is ketones in the brain. Super interesting. Well, I think there are a lot of folks who listen to this show that have read Alex Hutchinson's book endure. And one of the chapters in that book deals with the central governor theory of, you know, how we're able to persist versus how we shut down when the going gets tough or our bodies fatigued. And obviously in that model, it's something like when you do shut down, you really have like 40% of your legs left to keep going, but your brain is kind of like protecting the entire system. Is there any suggestion here that if you, by taking exogenous ketones, you're delaying that central governor effect and you can sort of last longer in training and race environments? Yes. One of the big prongs of work that we have done with the Department of Defense Special Operations Command has been around running and then also doing cognitive tests. So we will do, for instance, rucking in hypoxia, like wearing the hypoxic mask or being within a chamber. So you're, you're deprived of oxygen and you're rucking. But that's not all. After you're rucking in hypoxia, you're then doing target practice. And we're seeing increase in cognitive efficiency in the ketone group versus the placebo group that people are able to be more dialed in mentally. So to, to answer your question, it's like, it's not just that you're able to run faster, longer. It's that you feel less depleted. You all know that feeling when you're like in the hole, you know, mile 19 of the marathon, right? We're just in the hole and all like you just are running on embers and having a little bit more supply, having a, a form of fuel that your body can make use out of or that your brain can make use out of is it's super effective. And it, yeah, if you can move the shutdown of your central governor or, you know, keep the lights on for your central governor that much longer, that's super interesting. I think that's, 
at the end of the day, like there's only going to be one Kipchoge or one, you know, actual fastest runner in the world. Most of us are not going to be that, you know, I'm a 242 marathon. I'm not even qualifying for the Olympic qualifiers, right? Like, why do I care? Why do we, why do we care? It's like, I just want to have more fun out there. I want to run faster, feel, feel that flow for longer. I want to recover quicker. Yeah. I want to set a PR. Sure. But I also want to just be able to you know, chase that endorphin high and have fun out there for longer and feel really good while I'm doing it. So that's, that's what got me into this, this whole journey to begin with. I've always wondered, can you take these at any time of day? Like even just before sleep, for example. Yeah. In that Belgian study, I mentioned people drank ketones right before bedtime. That was one of the three times a day that they were drinking ketones was right before bedtime. It doesn't seem to interfere with sleep. Different people have said different things. Like it's definitely not as stimulating as caffeine. Caffeine will for sure keep you up if you have it at 9 p.m., uh, ketones are not a direct stimulant. Some people find that they're like, really helpful in going to sleep. Sometimes some people don't like it. Uh, it's, I will say in that study where they show that increased recovery benefit, they had it three times a day, including just before bedtime. Um, it certainly does not interfere with sleep the way that like caffeine does. I, I personally don't have it right before bedtime. I have ketone IQ first in the morning every day. It's nice way to rise, greet the day. And then I have it two, three times during the day, just drinking some here on the podcast, like just be sharp, nice energy, pick me up. Um, I personally don't have it right before bedtime, but I know a lot of people do, especially when they feel like they're really on a mission to recover quickly. And they just want to make sure that their elevated ketones are high at all hours, at all hours of the day, including when they're sleeping. How long do ketones work for before you realistically need another quote unquote dose depends how active you are if you're running then you're going to burn them off more quickly if you're sitting at your desk yeah for runners yeah so for runners like you re-up every hour like have another uh, another shot every hour um yeah when you're active you're going to be burning off that quickly i know we talked about you know mixing supplementation on the run but is it okay to take these in conjunction with coffee or even a large meal and you're fine. Yeah. Coffee is really interesting, right? Coffee is a stimulant. It increases brain activity, excites the nervous system, and that creates a energy demand. You're, it, it's like your brain is all fired up, but you still need to give it some actual fuel. So they stack together really well. A lot of people maybe have tried or heard of this of bulletproof coffee. I mentioned it yeah. earlier, this idea that you have coffee and you put fat, oftentimes it's MCT, which is a medium chain triglyceride. It's a form of fat that relatively easy converts into ketones. That's super popular. I mean, that came out of, I had dinner with Dave Asprey recently. He was telling me that he's the guy who invented Bulletproof Coffee. He borrowed that from Nepalese Sherpas, where they would have some sort of tea with yak butter. And, and you know, this is people in the Himalayas, climbing up Everest and living like, you know, living at that level of altitude and, and harshness and the ability to have caffeine plus fat that, you know, that your body's turning into ketones that that to them is that's just their ancient super fuel. You know, they, they didn't listen to a podcast to learn to like stack caffeine with fat. So yeah, caffeine and ketones are a age old stack in that sense. Um, they, pr- they play really well together. And then, yeah, as far as stacking with other, other meal, other 
as far as stacking ketone IQ with other forms of food snacks on the course, yeah, ha- it, it stacks well. It goes through d- a different pathway. It doesn't compete with your other fuel sources. It literally gives you a different form of fuel source through a parallel channel than what other carbohydrates and typical types of fueling that you're having. Are there any safety issues with exogenous ketones and or certain types of people that should not be supplementing with them for whatever reason? Generally super low side effect profile where you're not supposed to have more than three and a half servings a day. That's what we're like, that's what it's, um, kind of limits of, a, on, on the regulatory levels, like three and a half servings a day is, is good. I, yes, I'll, I'll say that. So, you know, I, I drink a good amount of ketone IQ. That is the, that's the amount. Um, and who shouldn't have it. So, okay. So there are some very specific medical cases where, you know, if you have, if you're a type one diabetic, where your body is really not able to use glucose correctly. Your body sometimes gets on this runaway train where you're making too much ketones, like massively, like way higher than ketone IQ could ever get you to that. If you're type one diabetic, your body's not able to use glucose. So you go in this like hyper starvation state where your body just massively ramps up ketone production. And just to give it some numbers, it's like, if you were to do a blood ketone reading, like when we're talking about type one diabetics, that's like, they're getting into a state of ketoacidosis, which is the unit of measurement is 15 millimoles per liter, like very, very high ketone levels. So like someone who is type one diabetic or like has ever even heard of the word ketoacidosis before, if that's relevant to your medical profile, talk to your doctor, like would not recommend Mm. drinking exogenous ketones, but that's like, I mean, you would know it. Like you would know if you're type one diabetic, you would know for frame of reference, like drinking ketone IQ gets you up to depending on, you know, how much you're having body weight activity levels gets you up to, you know, one, two millimole per liter. So we're talking about difference between one to two, which is nice. That's the performance zone that you want to be in versus 15 X for this, you know, sliver of the population that has this metabolic dysregulation and type one diabetes and and would need to be really concerned about ketone levels. One more question before we get into the running application. I have to imagine there are some researchers out there, some coaches out there that, uh, take a stance against exogenous ketones. What are the existing, um, knocks against this product that we can address here in real time to be fair. And just to give the audience awareness of, um, you know, other camps out there. It's funny question. And there's two camps on what's the knocks against exogenous ketones. Cause one camp will say they don't work. It's all bullshit. And the other camp says stuff works so good. It should be banned. And I wish <laughs> they would talk to each other. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, just to address them one by one is like, yeah, it doesn't work. Like there's clearly applications like we've shown, you know, third party groups have shown statistical significance on ability of ketones to increase brain activity in certain situations, cognitive efficiency and, and hypoxia when you're stressed and tired. Um, like it clearly works. I like the science is open. Like this, there is a body of literature on ketones that continues to evolve and develop yeah. science, science in general is never set, right? Like 
we're like, that is what's beautiful about the scientific method, always still figuring things out. And look, yeah, there's certain studies that showed interesting things. And then like someone wasn't able to replicate it. They're, like, yeah, it's an active area of discourse, but there's certain things that have been confirmed. There's certain just in the field use cases that you just, you kind of know it. It's like, do you need, like, do I need a double blind study on caffeine? Like, yeah, there is that study on caffeine. There is that study on ketones, but I also just know when I drink a cup of coffee, I feel a certain type of way. So if someone doesn't like it, they don't have the run of their lives on it. Like I get it. Like I get it. Not everything is for everyone. It's not some panacea. You don't magically qualify for whatever, you know, you don't magically podium by drinking it. Like, yes, it is not a magical panacea. Um, but it does work for some really interesting use cases on the idea of, Oh, it works too good. Should be, should be outlawed. I don't know. I go back to the argument on like, should, you know, spandex be banned because it's more aerodynamic should, you know, glasses that tell you your, you know, stats of your, should GPS watches be gla- be banned? Let's just you know start there. It's just something that's like telling you your pace. Oh my God, you're not running off of fuel anymore. You're running off of what your GPS watch is telling you. Should glasses that can project your biometrics in real time without you even having to carry a watch, should those be banned? Um, look, I don't think so. I don't, it's not an illegal drug. Your body, it'd be very hard to test. If I, if you and I run a, go on a 30 mile run together at the end of it, if I do a blood ketone reading. If I prick both of our fingers, do the blood draw, have the ketone reader there, we're both going to have elevated ketones regardless of if we drank ketone IQ five miles ago, our body's already making it. And it's not something that's going to be like possible or easy to regulate in a significant way because it's like, it's just another fuel. It's, it's like sh- sugar or any other fuel source that you're, you're taking, like you're I'm saying two different things here, which is one is like, it's, it, it'd be hard to define like what's an acceptable or not acceptable level. Cause your body's already making it. And then mm-hmm. wh- why would it be banned? It's just a form of, should protein powder be banned because it helps you recover faster? Should Morton be banned because it doesn't grow on a tree? Like you should, you're only allowed <laughs> to eat fruit. Like I, what, where do you draw the line? And I, I think the sane safe way to draw the line is like, you shouldn't, things that are dangerous for you, things that have like a negative side effect where you have the ethical issue of like, okay, well, this thing is going to help me whoop ass on the race, but it's going to take 10 years off my life to have, you know, EPO shots. Like that starts being a gray area or even just like a black area where, hey, hey, that like governing bodies ought to disallow that. But I I think it's in just this category of new nutritional fueling that is an advancement on the sport and lets people, you know, go get after it and put more miles out there on the trail and higher quality miles. I am most definitely not a scientist and I don't want to get too theoretical here because I do want to bring it back to the running application, but I promise last question. I've always been curious because I'll hear coaches and scientists throw out phrases like the body of literature is wide enough now, or there are enough studies there is there like a mythical number that people point to and say, okay, because there are now 20 studies that show this, we can conclusively say, or not conclusively, but strongly say that, you know, uh, let's, let's do this or let's, let's, you know, uh, sign off on this as a scientific community. Like how does that all work? That's a very deep question that really gets into the theory of knowledge and what, what, 
science <laughs> even means. And it's interesting too, because rarely do you see researchers directly duplicating a prior study because the way that science works is that you want to create novelty. You don't want to do the study that someone did three years ago and got published because you're not going to get published. You're a, you're a follow on at that point. That's not interesting. You want to develop the way that science is structured. When you want it, you want to get published in the top tier journals, you need to have a novel finding and it's simply not novel to like replicate what someone did in the past, which is a just known kind of issue inside of science. What ends up happening is that study A is done and then later a different group will do study B and there'll be like some overlap where they'll test some of the similar methods while also trying to learn, point the spotlight towards something new. And then you do get that either confirmation or you get that <clears throat> refutation of, oh no, you know, we actually weren't able to replicate. You, you would have thought that blank, blank, blank would have happened, but it didn't you know, blank, blank, blank should have happened based on the finding of study A. And then in study B, we didn't quite see that, huh? Wait, like what happened there? So they're not a magic number. I think it, it depends on the like significance of the result. And if you see a super significant result and you see it like a second time in another study, that's usually starts being pretty solid where things get weird is when the result is like barely significant or it's like significant, but it's like a small benefit, but significant on a small benefit. And then another study didn't quite show it. What I would say is really significant is the ketones in the brain. There's clearly something going on where like ketones are able to recover brain activity. There was a study done where this Canadian researcher, Stephen Cunane, looked at keto diet. So this wasn't even involving ke drinkable ketones like ketone IQ. It's keto diet. So getting people to eat low carb, jump through all the hoops to make their own ketones. And these are folks with with early onset Alzheimer's and he was able to reduce and slow the onset of Alzheimer's by people having elevated blood ketones through the ketogenic diet and around ketones in the brain. There's a ton of studies where, where ketones are able to, to recover brain activity when people have had concussions, traumatic brain injuries, that stuff interferes with brain energy metabolism and ketones can rescue brain activity. So ketones in the brain, there's a lot of different studies that have come at it from a lot of different angles that is this is clear. Ketones are a ketones are a preferred fuel source in the brain. Um, the recovery stuff sounds really, the recovery stuff also seems quite strong. It's been replicated a few different times that ketones can help with recovery. I think on the actual is in, on the actual like running, does this help me run an endurance race? The open question there, so my open question, my open question on like, hey, does this help with endurance? Is like, is it actually helping your, to what extent is it actually helping your quad, calf, glute, ankle? To what extent is it a, like form of fuel that is helping your muscle actually fire quicker versus is it all just the central governor effect? There's clearly something going on there. Like you feel better, but like, I think there's an open question like, does having ketones circulating help your quad muscle do better? Or are you simply running better because your brain is more on for longer? We're, you know, we're looking at all of that, right? We're looking at, we're looking at, at that. And in a sense, it doesn't matter because like faster is faster. I don't care. Is my brain more switched on or is my quad more switched on, but, um, or is both more switched on? 
that's one of the areas of like open inquiry where you know, when we're seeing athletes yeah. perform better, you know, what's, what's driving it. This is purely anecdotal. And I've only spoken with two ultra runners that have supplemented with this stuff in a training or race environment, but both of them have said that, uh, they feel the benefit is almost exclusively to the brain where later stages in an ultra, they are still mentally in it. They're making fewer mistakes when it comes to each step they take. They're not forgetting to eat. They're staying in the spirit of competition longer, which I thought was interesting, but less, less to say about, you know, uh, like damage to the quads and calves and feeling like, you know, you still have stuff left there to keep going. So that's, that's the anecdotal I've heard so far. That's why at the end of the day, we call it ketone IQ. It, you know, we wanted to give that little tip of the hat to the way you feel a little bit more mentally switched on with it. So yeah, no, and I've heard that a lot as well from, from folks in the space. So that's yeah. Cool. Cool to hear that as well. It's interesting. So not, yeah, like if you, if you forget to eat, let's, you know, let's, you eat your ketones so you don't forget to eat your other things. Yeah. <laughs> Good message. Um, but other than that, you, there isn't, there isn't much of a literature when it comes to studying ketones in a running environment is what you're saying. A lot of the studies are on cyclists and, okay. and then we, I mean, we have our work, I think where there's things on like a lot of our work again with SOCOM special operations command, it's like, it's not pure running, like running is part of it, but it is like, it's like running and then doing target practice. So you can kind of extrapolate out to what you were just saying, which is like, okay, yeah, later stages of a race, I'm going to be more mentally switched on. Um, but yeah, that'd be, that'd be really interesting just to see like apples to apples, 10 participants in a marathon or, you know, 50 miler who have ketones versus 10 who don't just really see, um, that study hasn't been done yet. That'd be really interesting. Well, I think, you know, since you're a runner and you're an ultra runner at that, uh, I think a lot of us would be curious to know your protocol for taking this pre during and, and post run. So like if you're on a 20 mile long run, training for the Boston marathon, um, maybe talk about what your day looks like, including the run supplementing with this. Yeah. On a, on a 20 mile long run, my first question is, is that like a race paced run or is this more zone two Maffetone style? Zone two Maffetone. Cool. So yeah, zone two Maffetone style. I'm not going to eat carbs beforehand because I want my body to be able to practice using the fat into ketone energy system. I want to intentionally be doing that run at a lower intensity. It's a relatively large volume. We're talking 20 miles. I want to train my body to be able to operate in a low glucose, low blood sugar environment. I will have ketone IQ in that state because it helps. It's, it's all in that same pathway. It helps. It's actually, it's helping my body to upregulate the enzymes that it takes to turn ketones into usable cellular energy. So when my body is making ketones or when I'm drinking ketone IQ, my body is better able to deploy those ketones for energy. Um, and yeah, you know, put put on my heart rate monitor, hydrate and run my miles. And then afterwards, afterwards, I pay, you know, you got to eat a lot. Like after, afterwards, I always, I, th I think a lot of runners don't eat enough protein. Um, it's seen as something sometimes for like weightlifters or people who are trying to bulk up. I think, I think it's super important as a runner to eat yes. plenty of protein. You're right. Like you're ripping up your miles out or sorry, you're ripping up your, your creatine is getting in the spotlight these days too. 
Yeah, creatine is super interesting. I, I, it's something I've been looking at, at a, a whole lot in in this space for mental mental abilities as well, uh, but also mm. just generally as a pre worker. Is this some, something that you've been dabbling around with? I, I've not fully incorporated creatine. I've started to dabble, but I've not fully incorporated it yet. One of the interesting use cases that I understand of creatine is it helps with water retention, which is actually a good thing for runners because you stay more hydrated throughout the day and it can also lubricate the joints. So like knee and stuff like that, which I think is huge. Nice. Yeah. I think that's super interesting stack. Um, yeah. So, but anyways, back to your usage. Yeah. yeah, that That's what I'll do. And then I'll have, I, I feel a lot better when I have that post run meal, make sure it's got proteins in it. I have carbs. I have slow carbs. So I'll have like oatmeal, starches, potatoes, wet. It is important to I, my school of thought It's important to eat carbohydrates as a runner. You, you will be able to do more training load. I get it that some people disagree and they have their school of thought around it and their system that works for them. For most runners out there, you generally need to replete your carbs after a run. So you want to have protein, you want to have carbs. What you don't want to do is after a run, like go and eat cake. And I, here's why is this, I mean, no one should be eating a ton of cake on a regular basis. Basically, like no one should be eating a ton of peanut butter cups. Not all carbs are the same. You can take the same 50 grams of carbs. And if you put it into potatoes that are very starchy, then the rate at which you will digest those carbohydrates into your system is slower than if you had 50 grams of Skittles. And the reason that that's important, the reason you don't want this spike of blood glucose is because when you spike your blood glucose, your body releases insulin to address that glucose. If you do that habitually over years and decades, insulin stops working. It, it stops having the intended effect and that's type two diabetes and tens of millions of Americans have it. And you're not immune from it just because you're an endurance athlete. In fact, like, you know, slamming goo shots nonstop and eating a lot of junk food just because you're, you know, rail thin, because you're exercising a lot, like under the scenes, if you're having a lot of sugar all of the time, you may be developing insulin resistance. We're all on some mm. scale of insulin resistance, right? Like a you know, 10 year old is going to have pretty snappy insulin resistance. A six year old generally is going to have less snappy insulin, sorry, insulin you're going to have more insulin resistance as you get older. A 10-year-old is going to have relatively low insulin resistance. A six-year-old is going to have relatively more insulin resistance. We're all somewhere on that spectrum. And you're not doing yourself any favors by having like too much processed sugar. If your body doesn't have to do any work to release that glucose into the bloodstream, then you're just dumping blood glucose, you're dumping insulin, and that's going to be bad for your metabolic health. Your insulin resistance is a really key biomarker for metabolic health. So after run, I do carb replete, but I do it with like slower carbs that are going to come into my system in a, in a more gradual basis. And I also have ketones because ketones help again with the like muscle reuptake of those carbs. So if, if you eat a starchy food and your body's digesting it, if you also have ketones present, it sends a signal to your body to like uptake those carbohydrates into your muscle, the stored glycogen on a faster basis. So I'll I sip ketone IQ throughout 
the rest of the day after going on a run, kind of like part of my recovery, you know, if you're doing like sauna or wearing sweatpants, keeping your muscles warm, keeping your blood flow going. I just, I like to have just like high ongoing level of, of ketones through that process. For endurance athletes, is there any loading phase required when you're first starting out with ketones or can you start taking them right away at a normal dosage? You can start taking them right away. The human body is well-equipped to use ketones. And if you're an endurance athlete, you're already using ketones. You're already making them. You already are using them to fuel your body and brain. So you already have enzymes present. If someone's a total couch potato and they literally haven't done any kind of endurance work for decades, their body might be more surprised at what to do with a ketone because you just, you've never been on low on blood sugar. You've just been eating three meals a day plus snacks for decades and you've never been low blood sugar. Your body has never had a chance like you or I on mile 15 to be low blood sugar, create its own ketones, use its own ketones then that person, you know, like you still have in your genetic code, you still have like the basic building blocks to be able to use ketones, but generally endurance runners are metabolically flexible. When there's ketones present, the body is very adept at putting those to use. I know you said earlier that it's not a direct stimulant like caffeine, but in any way, shape or form, can you develop like a tolerance or a dependency on ketones? You can't develop a tolerance to it. It's just another substrate. It's similar like protein powder. You don't develop a tolerance to whey protein. It's like your body uses it. You put it to work. If there's excess, then you pee it out. Like you're, you're mm. not going to, the ketones aren't going to stop working. They're a, it's like water. You don't develop a resistance to water either. If you have, if you drink too much water, you pee it out. Your body is going to put it to work or it's not. And with ketones in particular, when they're present in your system, they pop to the top of the stack and they're the preferred fuel that your body will go and use. So it's, it's not something to worry about that you're going to have like diminished ability to use ketones. You mentioned excess there. And it reminds me, I wanted to ask you, is it important for runners to measure their ketone levels? And is it easy to do? It's fun. I think you can measure it or not, you know, is it the way that you do it is, and I have a bunch of these, we have a bunch of these videos on our website or on my own Instagram and I'll shout out later, put it in the notes. The best way to do a blood key, the best way to know your ketone levels is to do a little blood finger prick. I think it's really fun. I like all this biohacking stuff. So I think it's really cool to see what's going on inside of your body. You do a little finger prick and you draw a bead of blood you have this device, you can buy this on Amazon and you draw that bead of blood into this little strip. And then it just tells you your number. Oh, 1.2 millimole per liter of ketones per liter of blood. I think it's super interesting. You can do the same thing with blood glucose. There's more and more people wearing continuous glucose monitors. There's brands like levels, NutriSense, Sapiens, Super Sapiens, Super Sapiens yeah. um, all su doing super cool stuff where you basically have this patch that lives on your arm and it's like a semi-implant where it's got a little prick that's like lives inside your arm and it does a blood glucose reading every 15 minutes. So it's continuous and you can really see how your diet, how your sleep, how your workouts are affecting your glucose levels. They're coming out with a continuous ketone monitor. That's going to be really cool where you can, you can see glucose and ketones. If people have gotten the point by now is like 
there's these two complementary and energy systems. They kind of work in tandem together. It'd be super cool. If I could tomorrow get an implant that I never had to take out that would just tell me ongoing my blood glucose, my blood ketone levels for the rest of my life in an instant, I would pay $500 for that. Like I, that is super cool to me to be able to have a dashboard into your key biomarkers. What are you fueling with? That would be no brainer. I would do that in a, in a heartbeat. And what was it? Yeah. Was there more to the question there? Sorry, lots of, I was the core question, but yeah, I, I'm really into measuring. Oh, is it hard? Like, it's, not, it's not that hard. I think right now you do have to draw that bead of blood until the continuous ketone monitor arrives or the implant arrives and we all go fully bionic. But yeah, it's, I think it's worth doing. I think it's like, like who out there is running ultra marathons and afraid of a little bit of pain? Do the finger prick. I think it's fun <laughs> to see. It's fun to just be a little bit of, you know, N of one biohacker on yourself, see what's going on. It, it paints the whole picture, right? If you do Maffetone method, if you've ever done like, oh, what is my cadence? Am I hitting the ground 180 beats per minute? Like if you're interested, which, you know, at this level of running, I assume most people are, if you're interested in any kind of facts or figures around your performance, what's that? My VO2 max. Like, I think it's interesting to just go on some runs and do a little bit of just basic blood biomarker measuring and just know what's going on in there. See what's my fasted blood glucose when I wake up in the morning, what does it look like after a run? What is, just like kind of one one owner's manual of being a human being in 2023. I think the tools are out there really fun to see what's going on inside your body. I want to close this conversation by talking about the market for ketones and your products and such. And the first thing I want to ask you about is this difference between ketone esters and ketone salts, particularly because I think if someone listens to this episode and they do some Googling and they go to your website and everything, they're probably going to be a bit price sensitive. And they're going to see that a lot of these ketone salt products are markedly less expensive. So maybe just talk about the difference there, why they're cheaper and um, what the pros and cons are of each of those scenarios. Yeah. And we've created something that's even more efficient than an ester. So there's actually three different buckets out there where you have ketone salts, the way ketone salts Apologies, work is, sorry. Yeah. No, it's all good. It's, it's, we're all just learning the, the lay of the land here where ketone salts are a molecule where you have one component that is a ketone and it's bounded to a salt. So sodium, potassium, magnesium, like all, all different types of salts. And it's a very cheap way to make a ketone cannot get your ketone levels that high because it's bounded to a salt. And in order to get a large dose of ketones, you need a massive amount of salt, which gives you stomach upset. I'm talking about way more than you'd find in a you know, packet of electrolyte powder. We're talking like an order of magnitude, yeah. more salt. So it's like in order to get you know, 10, 20 grams of ketones via a salt, you're having 10, 20 grams of, of salt. Like half of what you're eating is, is salt. There's a lot of salt. So that's very hard. It gets your, it's, what's cool about ketone salts. Again, we don't, our product is not a ketone salt, but what's cool about a ketone salt is it's very cheap. It just doesn't like get you that much. It doesn't get you that much ketones. Mm. You have this category ketone esters. We used to sell a ketone ester, very expensive where ketone ester is basically like gluing together a couple of different ketones. Like we've been talking about ketones generally. There's like technically different sub classifications of ketones where 
you can make like a really fancy science fair project where you like glue two different things together, gluing, meaning esterifying, like you, you the esterification process is basically you take two different molecules and you bind them together with an ester bond. It's a very simple bond. Um, but it's very expensive to do this. And it ends up being like very much a you know, like science fair project doing it because you can do it. And it costs a lot of money. What we found is that we identify just like this very specific sub classification of ketone that has the best characteristics to it, where for just dollars per ketone, what we have in ketone IQ is able to, it has the best ratio of dollars per gram of ketone. Very, it tastes a little crazy, but it's very drinkable. Like it's I, gin tastes way worse to me. Like it's, it tastes like a shot of something get down the gullet, very little GI distress, stomach upset, very low side effect profile. So we were able to, we've been able to figure out something that works significantly elevates your ketones, doesn't break the bank. Like a, a shot of ketone IQ I have here is 495 and it works, raised your ketone levels, tastes good. You can mix it with other things if you want and it gets the job done. And that's, that's the lay of the land. And look, we're also continuing to evolve. One thing that, you know, our, our whole brand premise with ketone IQ is to have the most effective ketone delivery product. We're continuing to evolve in advance. We have like the next, next version. We continue to look at it and, you know, you think about how, how far electrolyte market has come since Gatorade version one, like there's still right. innovation. Think about how much carbohydrates have come since you know, the last 20, 30 years. Like we're in the first inning still of ketone development. What we have right now is the most efficient ketone delivery product on the market. And we're just, we're continuing to innovate and, and improve on it. It's like the iPhone one was cool. iPhone two, iPhone two, even better. Yeah. iPhone two is the best damn, I it's the best damn phone on the market until the iPhone three comes out. So what we've figured out is the best ketone delivery molecule. And we're still working. We have a lot of active research R and D threads and continuing to innovate in the space. And, and that's our whole, that's our whole premise here at, at ketone IQ is, you know, not married to any specific approach, married to the idea of what does efficacious ketone delivery. And that's where things actually get interesting. Sorry to ramble on here a little bit, which is like, it's interesting when we start thinking about the things that it stacks well with, we've been really focused right now, just deliver ketones. But as we've been talking about a bunch Finn, like there's these other molecules, there's these Stacking with carbohydrates, stacking with electrolytes, stacking with creatine. There's other different ways to stack it that I'm sure we'll look at later on the line. Um, but for now, we've chosen to mm. focus on like just pure play ketone, let people stack it with, you know, the, there's other players out there that are doing those other things really well. So, you know, maybe we won't ever need to compete with them. We'll just always I, just I, be a pure play ketone. And I, I apologize if I missed the, the terminology there, but alongside ketone ester and ketone salt, what's the scientific term for the ketone IQ? backing yeah it, so it's it's called a, a dial like d-i-o-l and it's just another it's okay. the same way ester is a term or salt is a term we've created a ketone dial and gotcha a lot of the ester like so our we used to have an ester that was it was really expensive our stuff used to when we ketone iq is actually the v2 of our lineage our v1 was an ester that had this same dial inside of it and it was just really expensive. It was $30 a drink. That's what we used to secure our special operations command contract, that $6 million contract. 
but it literally didn't make sense unless you were literally a Navy SEAL Green Beret. Like who's paying $30 for super fuels? We had some elite athletes using it here and there, but it's been a massive breakthrough. Once we figured out, we really focused on the dial. We're able to get the cost per gram down by two thirds, uh, just a significant reduction in price and able to make it something that like you know, amateur athletes or people, people who aren't even athletes who are you know, doing work at their desk are able to have access to ketones as a nutritional primitive. Um, and yeah, it works, it works better, it's brought down the cost and, um, that's yeah that's the lay of the land in, in ketone land one more question i know we've talked a lot about ketone iq in this conversation but i understand that there's a much larger product line that you have so what else if if, if listeners are interested in what we've been talking about today and they head over to the hvmn website what else will they find ketone iq is really our flagship product that's what we've put all the wood behind that arrow we do have other cool products going on that I consider more supporting. So we, we do have a MCT oil powder that tastes fantastic. It's a great way to make a bulletproof coffee, have healthy fats in your diet, get, you know, I, before my fasted runs, I'll have coffee. I'll put sometimes MCT in there. I, I'll have ketone IQ that MCTs are kind of cousin to ketones. And so we, we like that product line a lot because it's MCTs are kind of a precursor to ketones and you can have them stacked together. So we make a great MCT, great to make some new coffee or tea. Uh, we have another product. We make a collagen MCT blend. It's also good for recovery in general. Uh, and then we have a few other supplements. We make a really high quality omega-3 that's good for recovery as well as just general heart health, brain health, and a um, couple other, couple other like, supporting supplements where um, yeah, just pay, filling out the picture of like high, what a high performance athlete, high performance individual would would really want, and it's been interesting because ketone IQ is, has really taken the lead for us, and is like the like definitely the flagship. And it's interesting as a business operator, you know, aside from running marathons, I you know I read a lot of books, and it's interesting seeing I, I we've we've launched a lot of different products, and ketone IQ just seems has a like, feel to it that is out ahead of if it would be cool if we invented omega threes, you know what I mean? Like we didn't om invent omega threes. We've developed a really high quality omega three product, but it just doesn't, I'm not on podcast talking about our, my omega three product usually because it's like that category predates me. It's been around for a while. Um, and it's just been interesting as an operator where a business operator that this like new at time ketones used to be really weird. We've been working on it for a few years. It's less weird now um, that this like new weird thing has become the most interesting product versus the more, you know, mainstream, Hey, collagen, Hey, Omega three, that stuff is like, in a sense more relatable, but in a sense it's less, it's less of a head turner and uh, some business less impact in there that like go, I don't know if anyone out there is an entrepreneur in any way, like bet into the weirder, idea that you have but in the thing that's more like don't just make another flavor of popcorn or another variant on something that's out there like do the weird thing and it might not be obvious to the market at first but if there's some truth to it then you end up it ends up being a more interesting adventure in life when you when you take the the weirder option well 
This has been an awesome conversation, Michael. Really have appreciated your time going long here. Um, I know listeners are aware of a discount code that we have, which is SINGLETRACK20. And if you're a first-time purchaser of HVMN products, you'll get 20% off at checkout. But uh, are there any other calls to action that you have for the audience um, as it relates to ketones? Yeah, I would say drop a line. Love hearing from people. I post a lot on social media. Love hearing from other people, following other people in the community. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at BDM underscore runner. The company is HVMN, stands for Healthy and Modern Nutrition. You can find at HVMN on Instagram and Twitter. And love hearing what people are up to, love hearing about challenges, love hearing people's notes from the field, and you know, love books that people are reading, inspiration. I think it's an interesting remote world that we all live in, and I'm, I'm super pro online communities, and I've learned so much from people I've never met in real life and happy to always engage in that kind of conversation and give advice, learn from other people. So drop a line for sure. Thanks for listening. Before we sign off, if you are a fan of the show, please consider supporting us with a rating and a review in your podcast player, a donation on Patreon, or the use of our sponsored discount codes in the show notes. We really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and you have been listening to the Single Track Podcast.